I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to turn to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. <clears throat> Acts chapter 16. I want, you to, I want you to always look in your Bible to make sure I'm telling the truth. Can't trust them preachers, can you? I don't want you to believe something because I said it. I want you to believe it because God said it. I'm going to be gone one day. He's going to be here forever. I want your faith to be built on what he has to say to you forever. All right. Before we take off, I want you to help me with something. We had a tragedy in our community this past week. One of our firemen, been a fireman for years and years, answered a call this week. It was at his own house and lost his house and lost his daughter in that fire. And uh, the Thomas family, just a terrible tragedy. And my heart was tender toward them. And the Spirit of God's put it on my heart that we want to bless them as a church. So we're going to take up an offering on the way out. We're going to have guys with buckets at the doors. If you want to help this family, let's do that. And one of our guys here, the fire chief, He's been ministering to them, praying with them, loving them. And we're going to just, we'll write a church check, give it to him, say, take it and tell them we love them. And we want to bless them. And I want you to pray for that family. I believe when we pray for people that can't change what happened, but I believe the presence of God will come and there'll be a peace that'll rest on them. And listen, I, I've had people go through terrible tragedies and say, it was like God just came so close to me and like I was in this bubble of God's presence and it helped me get through it. Well, that's because people prayed and when people pray, so I want you to pray for that family. We, we can't help everything that happens in our community, but sometimes the Lord just says, I want you to bless them for me right there. So we're going to do that. If you want to help at the end of the service, God bless you. And uh, we want to, the Bible says to rejoice with people who rejoice. We'll celebrate when good things happen, but it also says to weep with those who weep. We want to get involved with people when they suffer and do that. All right, we're going to talk this morning, Acts chapter 16. We're going to talk about atmospheres. We're going to talk about controlling the atmosphere around you today. You need to be a person that controls the atmosphere around you. For this reason, the atmosphere determines what happens to you. Atmospheres dictate experiences. And I'm going to show you something in the scriptures today, maybe new to you. I hope you see it and go, I needed that right there. Now I know what to do. Then was my people perish for lack of knowledge. People just don't know what to do sometimes to make life better. That's why the word is written and why the spirit of God takes us to us. Now we're going to look in Acts 16. Let me tell you where we're at. These two guys, the spirit of God told these two men, go preach in that city. So they go to this city to preach. And they're preaching and good things are happening. Horny head does not appreciate it when God starts helping people. I don't know if y'all knew that or not. And so he stirs up what the theological word is a ruckus. He stirs up a ruckus and he, he gets everybody mad and he tells lies about these preachers. and He gets everybody upset and he creates a mess in this city. And there's a hellish spirit comes over this city and it's anger and strife and there's tension and, and violence breaks out and they grab these guys and false accusation and they, they tie them to the whipping post <clears throat> and they beat them with rods 39 times. And then they throw them in jail for false accusations. And it's just terrible. Read with me in Acts chapter 16, verse 23. Acts 16, 23. When they laid many stripes on them, they threw them into the prison, commanding the jailer, keep them securely. Having received such a charge, you put them in the inner prison, fasten their feet in stocks. This was not a nice jail like our jail. This thing's nasty just open sewage. Now remember, they're sitting on their bottoms and their feet are out in front of them closed in these wooden stocks. And they're, you know, they're, they're bleeding. And you got raw sewage getting in them wounds and, and they're dark. They're in the dark because later on they had to have a light. And it's, it's just a, a terrible situation. They did nothing wrong. 
They did what they were supposed to do. And they get in this mess right here. Here's my question. You're there. What are you going to do? What are you going to do when you did what you were supposed to do and people lied about you and the atmosphere was horrible and they grabbed you and beat you? And What are you going to do sitting there? You'll see something crazy. Watch this. Verse 25. Watch this. At midnight, which is the dark of night, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. He said, that's exactly what I do, preacher. That's just what I do. When things go wrong and I don't understand and God's nowhere near and people are hating me, I, I just pray. I, I just want to shout. I just want to start celebrating and singing. You know, I, ain't nothing makes me want to sing more than when things go bad. Let's vote. Don't amen me. Don't amen me. <laughs> I think this is one of the craziest things I ever saw in the Bible. This, these are real people. This was a real occurrence. They, they didn't know what was going on. You couldn't be no uglier to somebody. And they get, they're in there and you talk about pain. Have you ever been hit with a bamboo rod 39 times? They're hurting. Injustice. And, and they just sit there and just start singing and thanking God for his goodness and praising him and, and just celebrating in the middle of this mess. All right, read this with me. Verse 26. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. The foundations of the prison were shaken. Immediately all the doors were opened. Everyone's chains were loose. We're not going to read the rest. That keeper who was so brutal to them came in there and fell on his knees and apologized and said, I am sorry. I don't know what you got, but I want what you got. Tell me how to get saved. And healed their back. They got healed. They healed their wounds. Fed them. Turned them. Look, the whole atmosphere, the attitude, everybody's attitude changed. All right, here's my question. How many of you think the way they acted had something to do with reversing the situation. Can you see it? If you missed this, you missed the whole point. I'm going to put it very simple. They were in a hellish atmosphere and it was, de it was demonically charged, by the way. This wasn't people being ugly. There was a power of darkness there. They're in a demonic atmosphere and they created an atmosphere that repelled hell and caused the presence of God to go... And God's presence came into that place. You say, wasn't that good of the Lord? Who made it happen? Those two men made it happen. They created the atmosphere that God could come and work in that situation. They're the ones that turned it around. They created an atmosphere that just all through scripture, you see this where people create an atmosphere that either brings hell in or brings God in. You're in charge. Quit waiting on him to do something. They created that. They didn't wait on the Lord. They did something and they created that atmosphere. I want to show that to you in scripture where Jesus promised you could do that. It's in Matthew chapter 16. Turn with me to the left. Matthew chapter 16. One of the great promises. This is where Jesus made his great promise about working in the earth. How many of you believe that God is working in the earth today? Who controls whether he works in the earth today or not? You do. I don't mean you do it. You control whether he works or not. How many of you believe there's a power of darkness working in the earth today? Who controls whether he works or not? You do. Now, this may be new to you, but let's read what Jesus said in scripture. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, Matthew 16, 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What, what are the keys? What's keys mean? Who's in charge, Doc? What did Jesus say? I'm going to give you the authority. Here, 
I give you the authority of the keys. I give you the authority of whether heaven works on the earth or not. And then he said this, perhaps you've heard this before. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound from heaven. It might say in heaven, it means front heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Who is in charge of what goes on on this earth? What does that scripture say? You are. He's given you the authority to determine what will happen on this earth. Let me, let me help you in the original here. Jesus said to me, here, son, here are the keys of the kingdom. If you bind hell on this earth, I will move from heaven and it will be bound. But I will not move from heaven until you do something. And if you release the presence of God on this earth, I will release it from heaven. But I'm not turning my spirit loose till you turn it loose. Can you see in this scripture clearly that I am in control of who works around me by the atmosphere I create? Now this, I, I, I hear you, I hear the I smell the sawdust burning. We've been taught all our lives, whatever's going to be, whatever's going to be. What did Jesus Christ say right there? You're the one who determines what goes on around you. You're the one who determines whether, what does heaven mean? The power and presence of God working. Have you ever heard this binding and loosing? When we say hell, we're not talking about the place of the eternal abode. We're talking about the activity of hell in the earth. The demonic presence in the earth. And you saw in Matthew, you saw in Acts chapter 16 where hell was working and those men did something that turned this thing around by creating an atmosphere. And Jesus has given you, listen, you can do this in your home. You can bind darkness in your home and release the power of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit to work in your home. You can do it inside of you. You can do it where you work. You could do it in your church if you wanted to. I just want you to dwell on this a little bit that Jesus Christ, the creator of this union, now he's got the, he, he is the ruler, but who do he give the key to? And you get to make the decision of how this works in our lives. All right, we create these atmospheres. All right, let me tell you what we want to do. There are atmospheres I create inside of me and around me that stop God and turn the, turn the enemy loose. I can do that. There are atmospheres I create that bind darkness and turn the presence of God loose. I'm in charge of that. He's not. He gave me the key to do that. And that's what I want to teach you this morning. All right. <clears throat> there are some atmospheres that God will not, he just can't work in. It's not that he won't, he can't work in. If you create the atmosphere, he can't work in it. Even if he wants to help you, he can't do it. You say, I just don't believe we can stop God. Then let's read it. Turn with me to Mark chapter six. Now, there are many, but I'm going to give you three atmospheres or attitudes that we create that God cannot work in. I used to pray a simple prayer and I used to ask him, if you're so good and you're so powerful and you care about people so much, why don't you help more people? I mean, even though we can be honest with him. If he's that good, why don't he? We say, well, he's going to do what he wants to do. That's not good enough for me. I don't know what the Bible says. And I just ask him, if you're so good, I've, how many of you know that the Lord is good? How many of you have seen what he's done for people in his word and in our, our day to day? People that have been, their lives have been redeemed. Their minds have been healed. They've been delivered. They've been blessed. He's done great things for people. How come he doesn't do it for everybody? And I would ask him, if you're so big, I wouldn't be in, I was very humble. I just wanted to know if you care about everybody, why don't you help everybody? This is where he answered me right here. He said, read Mark chapter six. And this teaches you and I that I can create an atmosphere that God can't help me even if he wants to. Mark chapter six, let's read it. Great story here. Jesus went out from there, came to his own country. His disciples followed him. Let me catch you up here. For 30 years, right, Jesus was born in a little village. 
for 30 years, he lived in that village. Nobody knew who he was. Remember? Nobody knew that he was God. He was just an average guy. He apprenticed under his father. And for years and years, he worked with his father. He was called a carpenter, but he really worked in a little furniture shop. And he built chairs and tables and I guess bookcases. I don't know. But he worked in a little furniture shop. And at 30 years old, he leaves his hometown. He gets baptized, remember? And the spirit of God comes down on him. And that's when he began to be God and minister. Now he was always God, but that's when the power of God came on him. And he said, the spirit of the Lord's upon me. And he's anointed me. And he went out and he began to travel all around the countryside. And he's healing sick people, working miracles, raising the dead, bringing life and hope to people. Jesus was the most famous man in the world within just a few days. I mean, if we had a guy walking around raising dead people, you reckon he'd get some press coverage? Right, that's what happened. This guy, 30 years old, just a common man. And all of a sudden, where are these miracles coming from? And he's getting all the attention in the world. So he ministers for about a year and a half doing that. This is the first time he comes back to the town he was raised in. So he comes back to his hometown. It's called Nazareth. He comes back and uh, let's read what it said. He comes back to his hometown. Verse two, when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogues and many were hearing him. Now, let me stop right here. It doesn't tell you what he preached about. But on Sunday, he just went in the church. Now, remember, Jesus wasn't a licensed preacher. He didn't go through school. He wasn't supposed to be preaching. He just walked out and started doing it. Now, maybe if you're God, you don't have to have a license. Okay, I just want to point that out. <clears throat> or permission. He just walks in the church and he stands up and he says, I'm preaching today. Bring me the book of the scroll of Isaiah. So he turns to Isaiah and here's the message he preached. It's not in this passage. It's in the parallel one in Luke. Here's the message he preached. He told those people, the spirit of God's upon me. He's anointed me to bring good news to you, to heal the messed up past of your lives, to heal your broken hearts, to set you free from your bondages, to give you understanding, to liberate your oppression, to bring the blessing of God on your life. I've come to turn your ashes into beauty. I've come to give you the spirit of praise, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I've come to be good to you. How many of that is a good message right there? Then people should have said what? Bring it on. Or at least amen. Watch what they did. He stood up and began to preach. Sabbath, verse two, Sabbath had come. He began to teach in the synagogue. Many hearing him were astonished, astonished saying, where did this guy get this stuff? What wisdom is this given to him? Such mighty works performed by his hands. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, Simon? Don't, don't his whole family, you know what they said? Him and his daddy built my mama's table. This is the guy that built the chairs we sat on. He's a carpenter. What's he talking about? He's God and he can help us. What's the rest of that verse say right there? And they named his family. Jesus had four physical brothers. They named his sisters. What's the last part of verse three say? They were offended at him. He stood up and he said, I am God almighty. I know I, I know I live beside y'all. I know we sat together in church every, every week. I know you've watched me for 30 years, but I am God Almighty and I'm here to work miracles in your life. And they said, what is this? What atmosphere we got here? Unbelief. They didn't believe. They didn't believe God could do what he said. Watch what the Bible says here. Verse four, Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country, his own relatives, in his own house. Watch verse five. He could do no mighty work there. Did it say he didn't want to? How many of you know Jesus wanted to help them? 
He stood up and said, I'm here to help you. And let me tell you something, listen to me. That atmosphere of unbelief and doubt, not even God could help them when he wanted to. They created an atmosphere of unbelief. What would we call this atmosphere today? Skepticism, cynicism. I don't believe that stuff. I don't know about that stuff. That, that critical skeptical attitude stopped God from being good to them, even though he wanted to be. Dear ones, if you create an atmosphere of unbelief and doubt and skepticism and cynicism and pseudo intellectualism in your heart and mind, he can't help you if he wants to. You have bound the spirit of God by your attitude. Whatever you bind on earth with your attitude will be bound in heaven. How many people do I know today that have had, I have spoken God's word to them and they've said, I don't know about that. And God just said, don't say another word. I can't help. Dear ones, do not stop God from working in your life with an attitude of unbelief. Let me ask you a question. <clears throat> I know it's just, I know it's Sunday morning, but can we go ahead and go deep? <clears throat> what is the number one thing believers should do? Believe. Y'all know what believing is? If the man says it, he's fixing to do it for me. That's called believing. All right. Can you see this is one of the most amazing passages where God could not help them. Verse uh, five, couldn't do any mighty work. Verse six, he marveled because of their unbelief. You listen to me. You make God marvel. You've done something. Only twice in the Bible did God marvel. You know what marvel means? God was surprised at their reaction. Don't make God marvel by doubting him. Believe what the man says. Take him at his word. And when he says something, you say, that's going to happen in my house. That's going to happen in my life. God's going to do that for me. That's called a spirit of faith. But this spirit of unbelief, this questioning, I don't know about that. He couldn't help you if he wanted to. Number two, the second atmosphere we create that God can't work in. Uh, I want you to look at this one. Turn just a few pages. Turn to Mark, uh, Matthew chapter 14 to the left a little bit. How many of you have ever had God working in your life and all of a sudden he just stopped? I'm not talking about your salvation. I mean, God was doing things and all of a sudden it's like he just disappeared. I'm going to show you where God disappeared in somebody's life. And, and this can happen. All right, Matthew chapter 14. You're probably familiar with this. Matthew 14, verse, uh, let's put in verse 28. Peter said to Jesus, Matthew 14, 28. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Now let's just stop for a minute. Can we not all agree that people can't walk on water? Come on, y'all. Now, now be, you gotta be reasonable here. How many of you know people can't walk on water? In schools where they teach preachers how to preach, they've actually pointed to this passage and said, y'all know better than this. He just knew where the rocks were. But Peter said, I want to walk on the water. How many of you know we should be believing God for some things that are really beyond our ability? I just wanted to point that out. Verse 29, Jesus said, come. And when Peter come down out, had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. How many believe that's true? Golly, I wish he'd tell that to me. Could you imagine out on Jordan Lake bass fishing? You see, he said, try, try it, son. Put your, put your Bible in a Ziploc bag in case you lose your faith. Get out here. That man walked on water to go to Jesus. All right, now here, all right, stay with me now. Let me ask you a question. How many of you think like God had something to do with that? How many of you think the power of God was what kept him up on that water? Are we in agreement? 
How many of you think God's working here? How many of you think that man's faith had something to do with it? Right, he's out there. He's walking on water. You say, well, he failed. You're just, you are one of them. I'd take a soaking to get to walk. All right. It's because I'm a believer and he's walking on the water and things are going good, aren't they? Watch what happens. Verse 29, verse 30. When he saw that the wind was boisterous, he focused on the storm. He was what? What's the word? Fear and beginning to sink. Golly, you know what happened? God changed his mind. Right in the middle of that walk, God changed his mind and said, I didn't mean to let him do that. Zap. How many of you think that's what happened? How many of you think God changed his mind? How many of you think he could still be walking on that lake today? Sure he could. I want you to tell me, was the power, listen to me, was the power of God cut off in this man's life? Absolutely. It was cut off. I mean, sunk. Was it God's will? No. What happened? Go back and read that word again. When he what? Fear. Fear is the atmosphere that'll cut the touch of God off in your life every time. If you let fear dominate your life, listen, faith is the power of the kingdom of God. Fear is the power of the kingdom of hell. You understand that? Before God can do anything, there has to be faith. Before Satan can do anything, there has to be fear. Know this, dear ones, where there's faith, God's right behind it. Where there's fear, guess who's right behind it? And when fear got in this man's life, it stopped the power of God. Dear ones, he, created, he let an atmosphere come into him that destroyed the touch of God on his life. I hear, I hear parents, Christian parents say this, I'm, I'm just scared my kids are going to get on drugs. Who's talking to you? Why would you, you say, well, Brother Ryan, you don't know what's going to happen. Who is God Almighty? What is this book we believe in right here? Either you can trust him or you can't. Let me tell you what you need to say. I believe God's going to have his hands on my children and God's going to protect my children and the angels of God are going to stay around those children. That's called faith. Dear ones, if it's fear, it's hell. We, are you ready? Who looses the powers of darkness in this land? I do by being afraid. You say, well, you, Brother Brian, you can't help but feel afraid. Oh, I know that, I know that, but I don't have to receive it and I don't have to act on it. I think I told you one time, we have a little skunk problem out on the farm. <clears throat> My dog and the skunks don't mix well. My wife's dog and the skunks don't mix well. And I'll go out and I'll go, they're here. I don't have to see one to know they're in the vicinity. I can tell by the smell that all is not well. Are you with me? I don't have to see them to know they're there. I know what a skunk smells like. Are we, am I deep or what? You listen to me. I know when demons are in the area. You know how? I can smell fear. When I smell fear, the enemy is near. Don't you ever let fear grab your heart. You tell it to go away from, listen, I didn't think you're in control. He has given you the key to the kingdom. You can resist fear. If that man had said, people, do you have any idea what fear has robbed us of? Do you have any idea what fear is doing to us? How that subtly this stuff will get in? When fear shows up, you need to say, hmm, boy, I know who's in the house right now. Fear is the atmosphere that destroys the power of God in our lives. He can't work when there's fear. All right, you see that? Let me show you one more. This is the big one. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter four. Unbelief and doubt, fear, and look in Ephesians chapter four. Now I want to make an announcement. I don't just need to be saved. Being saved will get me in heaven when I die. 
I need the touch of God on my life all the time. I need the spirit of God. I need the presence of God in my house. I want him inside of me. I want the hand of God on me. I need God all the time. And I can handle that. I know what to do to have him there. How many of you would like to say to the spirit of God, leave me alone and go away from my home? How many of you would like to offend him? And how many of you would like to create an atmosphere that makes God leave? Watch this. Ephesians chapter four, I believe it's verse 30. Yeah, verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were, what does it mean you were sealed for the day of redemption? He is the one that's supposed to get you there. When you trust Jesus, God's spirit comes into you and he's the one supposed to get you to glory. What does verse 30 say? Do not create an atmosphere that offends the spirit of God and makes him leave. Who would want to create an atmosphere that makes God leave? I see it happen all the time with believers because we just don't know. Now, I say, Brother Brian, what, what do you have to do to make God leave? Read the next verse. Let all, what's the word all mean? Does anybody know what the word all means? Let all bitterness wrath, anger, quarreling, and evil speaking be put away from you with all hatred or malice. What the Bible say right there? Do not run God off from your life. Get rid of the bitterness, the anger. What's the biblical word for? It's just strife. Listen to me. If I let a spirit or an atmosphere of strife get inside of me and I let it get in my marriage and I let it get in my home, God's presence is gone. I have grieved the spirit of God. I don't want to do that. I, do, I, I want to take time. Let's turn to the book of James and let me show you. Just in case you were wanting to do this. Now I want to quote again. What's happening in our land right now? What is the spirit of our nation right now? Was it not verse 31? Bitterness, anger, quarreling. Is that not the spirit? What are we creating an atmosphere for in the nation right now? We're making a place here. All right, and James chapter three is one of, the, one of the most unusual passages. Now I'm going to quote again. I'm going to keep pointing you back. I want you to come out here today with Matthew 16, 19. I give you the keys to the kingdom. If you loose it on earth, it will be loosed. If you bind it on earth, it will be bound. And this teaches us here in James chapter three. James chapter three, verse 14 says this. If you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart. You ever done that? Here, here's the two words. Bitterness, self-seeking means strife. Uh, I think the country term is toe up, upset, angry, mad, bothered, can't sleep at night. That's strife on the inside. How many of you think we can get those things in our heart? I know we can because he said, if you got this in your heart, what does it mean? Don't lie. Don't justify it. Don't blame anybody else. Verse 15, this wisdom, what wisdom? Bitterness, being upset, having strife. It does not come from God, from above. It's earthly, it's sensual, it's what? I am creating an atmosphere that demons will infest when I get strife and anger and bitterness inside of me. I mean, you might as well just bow down and beg them to come in. Well, let me ask you a question. How many of you would like to have, listen to this phrase, every evil thing come into your home? Yay or nay? Read verse 16. For where bitterness and strife exist, confusion. What am I hearing more and more from people today? People are so confused. Where's confusion come from? Confusion and watch these words. Every evil thing are there. You know why there's so much evil taking place in people's lives? They have created the atmosphere that releases it. What does the Bible say here? 
If I entertain strife and bitterness and I get upset and I'm mad and I'm bothered, man, you're begging for it. You are begging. You created the atmosphere and it flooded in there. I don't want to reveal again real quickly. If I create an atmosphere of unbelief where I doubt God, I let fear rule in my life or I'm going to live in strife and I'm going to argue and fuss with people, you're binding the spirit of God and you're releasing the powers of hell in your life. You're creating the atmosphere that lets that operate. How many of you know this is not good? Can I get a witness? This is not good. How about you say, okay, Brother Brown, I, I, I thank you for showing me this. I know what to avoid now. Let's flip the pancake. Are you ready? There are things I can do that'll cause God's spirit to go. There are things I can do that'll bring God's presence down on my life and family and cause Satan to run like his shirt tails on fire five miles from a water hole. I could, listen, I can bind the powers of darkness and make them leave my family alone. I can release the spirit of God in my house and him bring the love and the joy and the peace and the hope and the excitement that I want in there. It's my choice. Many people think this stuff just happens. It does not just happen. You have got the key. You're in charge. All right, let's shift gears here and let's look in scripture. Tell me the one thing I've got. What is the atmosphere I can create that makes darkness run and causes God's presence to walk right in the middle of everything? Let's refer back to the first thing we read, Acts chapter 16. They're sitting in a hellish environment. What did they do in the middle of that mess? They began to worship God and praise him and give him thanks for who he is. Guess who had to get out of Dodge when they started doing that? Did not the presence of God come and bring freedom and healing and release when they did that? Now listen to me. When you create an atmosphere inside of you of worship and gratitude and praise God and thanksgiving, I'm telling you, God will show up every time. His presence will come every time and somebody else will run. Listen, we're close to it. I don't want you to turn with me. Let's look in Ephesians chapter five. I want to show you something. Ephesians chapter five. All right, now let me help you here. Sometimes we don't know how to pray. Can I get a witness? Sometimes I don't know how to pray. Sometimes I don't even know what I need. Do you know what I really need all the time? I just need God to show up. I just need the presence of God. And if he gets there, he'll know what to do. I just need his peace and his joy and his healing. I just need God to show up. How many of you would like for God to show up in your life and in your house? Well, bring him there. Bring him there. Look what the Bible said in Ephesians 5, 18. Do not be drunk with wine. It's dissipation. That means to waste your life. But be what? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now let's don't get into arguments over what. It just means just, just let God be all over you. Let God just fill your life. Let God's presence just come and fill it. Listen, what happens if God shows up? What does he say? The love of God's going to be there. The joy, the peace, the patience, the kind, just the goodness of God's going to show up. How many of you know your home needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Your heart and mind need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Say, man, I wish he'd do that. You got to do something for him to do it. I want to ask you a question. After verse 18, what's the punctuation? Is it a period? What is it? Is it a comma? So that means you need to keep reading. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to who? To the Lord. Sing to the Lord. What's the punctuation after that? Thomas, that means keep on reading. Giving thanks always. Did that word say always? Always. What's the word always mean? Thursdays always for all things to God the Father in the name of Jesus. What's the punctuation there? So we need to keep on reading. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. 
He told you in verse 18, if you want the presence of God in your heart and in your home, and then he told you the three things to do that create an atmosphere that he'll fill. What's the first one? You be celebrating on the inside of you the goodness of God. And you just be praising him and singing all the time. And how you say, Brother Brown, I sing terrible. That's why we want you to keep it on the inside. Let him listen to it. And you just, you just got a song. You ever heard this? Just got a song in your heart and you're just singing. What's the next one saying? Verse 20 there. Just thanking. Does anybody here have anything to be thankful for? Won't you do it? He didn't say be thankful. He said, give thanks. See, be thankful means I am. Give means I'm saying something. And I'm telling somebody and you just thanking him and praising him. What's verse 21 mean? Be very careful how you treat people. Submit to people. Humble yourself. Be careful how you treat people. What the Bible say? You create that atmosphere of being careful how you treat people and you just thankful to, for, to God for what he's done and you want to sing about it and you're so excited about his goodness and you just praising him and carrying on. What the Bible say will happen in verse 18? You'll bind the forces of hell and God's presence will just fill your life. Fill your home. Who's in charge here? I am. You are. I create this atmosphere. Then if you see somebody and they're just full of God, it's not because he likes them more. They did something to make that happen. Can you see that? The, can you see in this passage that the ball is in my court? Not his. I want to show you something crazy. Turn with me to Psalm 148. Well, 149. Turn with me to Psalm 149. This is one of the strangest passages in the Bible. I don't understand it. Apparently nobody in the modern church has read it because if we'd have read it, we'd have done it. I don't even know if we'd have read it, we'd have done it. I seem, somebody should make a saying like on a poster board that should say something like, be ye doers of the word and not just hearers. I don't even know why we hear the word. Guess why we hear the word? I thought this wouldn't be that hard. We hear the word so we can do the word so we can get our, what's the next one? Get your socks blessed off. We hear the word so we can do the word so good things can happen. I, I love this passage. I love reading this passage. I read it all the time. Psalm 149 says this, praise the Lord. What's the punctuation mark after that? What's the exclamation mark mean? Watch this, watch this. Who? <laughs> praise the Lord. Praise, let me scrunch my face up. Praise the Lord. Not hardly. You know what praise the Lord means? Excitement, that's a punctuation of excitement and celebration. Sing to who? You don't need to sing to people. Who do we need to sing to? He must like to hear it. A new song, sing his praise in the assembly of the saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion be what? Where's the joy? What is it that we come in church? Like, you know, churches and funeral homes are side by side. Be joyful in their maker. Let them praise his name with the dance. How many of you know that's good right there? Now let me explain to you this kind of dance right here. It's not this kind of, there's nothing wrong with that. that. That's fine, but that's choreographed interpretive dance. That's fine. It sure ain't Super Bowl dancing. That's filth. That's dry sex on stage. We don't do that neither. What kind of dancing is this right here? You've seen this dancing in the Bible. The priests do it. It's when you get so excited, you just dance a jig for joy. That's what he's talking about. question. Who wrote the Bible? God did. What's he telling you to do here? He says, I want you to be so excited. You just dance a jig for joy. Golly. I like this right here. All right. Now we're headed somewhere. Stay with me. Sing praises to him with a timbrel in the heart. Verse four, the Lord takes pleasure in his people. When you get excited about him, it makes him smile. 
Right there it is if you don't believe it. How many of you used to love to see your children depressed? Oh, mama, isn't it great? The kids are all depressed. All three of them at one time. Isn't this great? God don't want to see his children depressed. What does it say right there? He delights when his children are excited and celebrating you the same way too. You know better than that. My goodness. Let the saint, verse five, let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Well, depends on who you're married to. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth. Now this is crazy. Look at verse six. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a what? A two-edged sword in their hand. That don't make a lick of sense. How many of you know that dancing and singing with your sword is dangerous? get excited, guess who's going to get hurt? You understand this is not talking about a real sword. God's showing you something here. He's showing you something wonderful here. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and it becomes a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations. And he's not talking about Mexico and Canada. Punishments on their peoples. Here's that word again, to bind. You remember the word bind? To bind their kings, little k to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute on them the written judgment. I'm going to cut to the chase. When you begin to celebrate and worship and praise God, it binds the powers of hell. That is the weapon that binds the powers of hell and they cannot hurt your family, your children, or you. Many people say, Brother Brian, pray for me. I got a better idea. Why don't you worship up a storm and watch what happens? So I don't want to do it that way. I love you, but I'm going to make an announcement. You're not God. He gets to choose how we get free. I don't know what the problem is here. I'd rather celebrate it. I just like celebrating. I think praising God is wonderful. What did the Bible say here? Who has the authority to bind? Jesus said, I'm going to give you the key. Amen, Father. I want to bind the darkness. That's this crap in my mind, this depression that's on me, this junk happening in my house. I want to bind it. What's his answer? Dance up a jig, boy. Start singing and celebrating and talking about how great I am. Get excited, son, and watch what happens. I'm going to make an announcement. I, I just, I was working around the farm yesterday, all day out there, and you can sing and work at the same time. And I got on one song all day, but sometimes you just have to stop working because you got to concentrate on nothing but you singing. So I just put my stuff down and sing for a while, and then I think I ain't getting nothing done, so I'll sing and work at the same time. We need more singing and less thanking just thought I'd throw that in. Worship is the atmosphere we create. You created, listen, live in, a, in an atmosphere of worship, God's presence will be on you all the time. And horny head will be on the highway. I'm too sophisticated for that. I'm trying my best to help you this morning. Enjoy your devils. I don't get one amen out of that. I just gave you one of the greatest truths in the world. Humble yourself like a little child and celebrate big time. Do you ever wonder why Jesus said, unless you can become like a little child, you better break with this sophistication. I was going to hell. Jesus has redeemed me. My life is wonderful. I ought to be dancing from here to glory. Golly, this is good. No, I don't read the newspapers. Number two, number one, an atmosphere of worship. Number two, you need to create an atmosphere of faith. If you'll create it, I made up this saying. This is original. I made this up. If you build it, he will come. If you will learn to create an atmosphere of faith in your heart and mind and around you, God will just work all the time. He only works in an atmosphere of faith. I want to just point you back. We read in Matthew 14 
where Simon had a word from God and that word from God was walk on the water, boy. And you know what happened? He got out there and he walked on that water. You know why? Because he believed he could. He was just a believing man. And in that atmosphere of faith, God did something great for him. He said, well, why do you think he had to walk on the water? Why do you think at all? Just praise God. Amen. The point of that passage is you create the atmosphere, he'll work. But you have to create an atmosphere of faith for him to work in. And we ought to be a people who just build that all the time. Let me remind you this. Anybody here want God to help your children? Here's where we learn this from. We won't look it up. Mark chapter nine, a man came to Jesus and he said, the devil is killing my son. Could you please help him? How many know God likes to help people? And why didn't Jesus help him? Jesus had to ask the man a question first, didn't he? And he said to the man, the man said, if you have compassion on us, help my son. And Jesus said to the man, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Why did he do that? If God's so big and he cares so much, why didn't he just help him? He has got to have your cooperation and your faith to work. He said to the man, if you can believe, if you can believe, I'll help your child. Praise God, what a truth we learned there. If you can believe, God will protect your children. God will help your children, your family. And the man, listen, how many remember what the man said? The man said, I do believe. You know what that means? He made a decision to believe what God said. Remember what he said after that? Help my unbelief. Praise God. You know what he said? My faith's not perfect, Jesus, but here's all I got. Jesus said, that's all I needed right there. Just step aside. Golly. Jesus said, I've got to have your faith for I can help you. You've got to believe for I can help you. And the man said, I'm struggling, but I'll give you the faith I've got. Jesus said, that's all I needed right there. Wham! And he put the half Nelson on that devil. And he set that boy free. And Jesus smiling the whole time. He said, I'm glad you believed. I could help your child. You need to create an atmosphere. Even if you struggle, how many of you can still struggle with your faith and believe? Golly, this is good news right here. You need to create an atmosphere of faith. God will show up and work in that thing. Let me throw in one more here. God works in an atmosphere of love. You have to choose to walk in love with people so he can work in that midst right there. I memorized years ago and I hold to it constantly. Ephesians 4, 29 through 5, 2 that says this, be ye kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you and walk in love with people as imitators of God, as dear children. You know what that tells me right there? If you want to create an atmosphere God can work in, be careful how you treat people and love people and be kind to people and be gracious to people and fight to maintain that atmosphere. Keep that atmosphere between you and people and you treat people a certain way. You just created a place where God can have a heyday in right there. And if I'll protect that atmosphere, horny head cannot get in there and tear stuff up. I create that atmosphere that he works in like that, that he protects people in. I've had people praying, God, do something here. Let me give you this. I'm not going to look at it for time's sake. Psalm 133 says this, how blessed when brethren choose to dwell together in unity. It is like the oil poured out on Aaron on his head all the way down to the edge of his robes. That's where God commands the blessing. What's the Bible tell me and you right there? You choose to walk in unity with people, God will pour his spirit out on that place right there. Whether it's your home, your church, your relationships with people, he'll bless the, I think the word is fire. He'll bless the fire out of you. All righty. Let me quit by saying this. You know, what, you know what that means when I say let me quit? Let me add. The places of atmosphere. How many of you know that we're in control of some places of atmosphere? Number one's inside. Demons, you can't control the atmosphere in your home until you control the atmosphere inside of you. 
you can't change the atmosphere where you work till you change the atmosphere. The number one place I have to control the atmosphere is inside of me. I mean, you know, there's something inside of you called a heart and a mind. And the mind's where the battlefield takes place. It's where the battlefield is, where it takes place. I have to control the atmosphere inside of me before I can control it outside of me. I got to lay hold of this thing inside of me before the outside of me in my heart and my mind. I got to make up my mind. There's always going to be an atmosphere inside of me that God can work in and the enemy cannot stand. That means inside of me is always going to be an atmosphere of worship and gratitude and celebration. And I should have been in hell by now, but it is a good day to be alive. And I don't care what they've done. They don't owe me nothing. And God is good to me. And his word is true. And he's going to be doing things in my family. I think like this on the inside all the time. Guess what happens when you create that atmosphere inside of there? You walk with God. His presence is in there. And the evil one can't get a wedge in sideways. It just don't work like that. Number two, in your relationships. Now, in our marriage, we got a great marriage. You know why? Because we protect that thing. We keep an atmosphere in that marriage just like that. Not going to be no nitpicking in this marriage. Let me remind you of Ephesians 4.27 that says this. Do not give a place to the devil. Do not set a place for the devil. All right, last night we're having dinner at our house. And, uh, you know, the youngins come over and eat for free. And let's say there was four of them last night that came. So that's me and mama and four youngins. There's six of us. And I think sometimes she'll want me to set. She'll say, why don't you set the table? Which is woman ease for, I don't need you helping me in the kitchen. Let me find you something to do. So I go set the table. And, you know, there's six of us. So I put seven places. I've set six you know, seven table, I mean, seven plates and all that. I set seven places and there was six people. And if she were to say, why'd you set the seventh? I said, well, I want the devil to come eat with us. I'm hoping the devil will come down with our family and just sit at the table and make us mad at each other. And, and let's criticize each other tonight and let's nitpick and be ugly. And let's just have a bunch of, let's just in, let's set him a place so he can come and screw our evening up. I mean, well, that's malignant dumb. So why do you do it? What the Bible say in Ephesians 4, 27, do not give a place to the devil. Quit setting him a place. Dear ones, if the Bible says don't do it, obviously I can do it. How do I give him a place? By creating an atmosphere that he can run free in. Let me make an announcement. You don't want him eating with you. So quit setting a place for him. Don't create a place for him. You know what y'all to do? Set that extra place. And when your sweetheart says, who's that for? Said, I'm inviting the Holy Spirit to eat with us tonight. I want God to be at our table tonight. So we're going to create a place for God at this table. We're going to love each other. We're going to encourage each other. We're going to laugh with each other. We're going to be kind to one another. We're going to talk to each other in a way that brings God to this table. And we're going to see what he can do. How many of it would be good to eat with God? With the Holy Spirit of God. Who do you want hanging around with you? You create the environment. They'll be there in your relationships, with your family, with your friendships. Let me, go, let me go crazy here. You can do this in your church. Why would you want a church where hell rules? If you create the atmosphere, he will. I say we create an atmosphere in our church where hell runs and Jesus manifests. What do you think? I need your help with this one, dear ones. I'm trying my best to get you jump started. I need your help with this one. We can do that. Now, let me, let me say this. Break with the passivity. Take control of the atmosphere. Don't, don't just sit around and see what's going to happen. Let me make an announcement to every one of you. The Bible says in Matthew 5, you're supposed to be a thermostat, not a thermometer. Tell me what thermometers do. 
They measure the temperature in the room. What does a thermostat do? It changes the temperature in the room. Listen, don't be a thermometer. Did you see what they did? Did you read what was on the news? Did you hear what she said? Have you seen what they're doing? That's a thermometer. Yes, I've heard all the puke and I don't need you repeating it. Can I get a witness? Don't just puke out what's in the room. God, this is good preaching. To change it. That's what the Bible means. You are the light of the world. Take over. Change the atmosphere in the room. You're the one supposed to be in charge of that thing. Don't just, uh, don't let this mess go on like that. All right, I'm fixing to make one of them big statements. An empty heart and mind is the devil's wastebasket. When you, when you just don't fill the house and you just <sighs> living with your mouth open, hoping something good will happen, that's the devil's wastebasket. We don't want to do that. Listen to me. Matthew chapter 12, verse 45 says this. When evil leaves a man, I mean, it's good for evil to leave a man. It goes through waterless places and it comes back to that house finds it swept. That means you've been saved. Things have been straightened out. But it finds it what? What's the word? Empty. And if he finds that house empty, he's going to go get seven more of his buddies, the Bible says, and he's going to bring him into that house. And the last state is worse than the first. Got it? The darkness that used to rack you before you got saved, he's going to keep checking to see if your house is empty or if there's strife in there. Every time he comes back around and says, come on, boys, let's go check on Brother Brian, see how he's doing. How many of you know darkness is going to make its rounds? Dear ones, what do you think it means in Luke 4 when it said, the devil departed from him until an opportune time? He's always looking for an opportune time in this heart and mind or in my home. And when he comes back around, I want him to crack the door and say, let's see what's going on inside his heart and mind. Let me see what's happening in his life right now. He pulls that door open. I won't come blowing out that door. Ain't nobody ever done me like Jesus. They ain't nobody ever done me like Jesus. They ain't nobody ever done me like Jesus. Cause he's, by the way, this is the song I got hung on yesterday working. My friend. So I'd be hollow. So I just have subs. Ain't nobody ever done me like Jesus. Oops, got to get something done today. I was putting shingles on the roof. You can't dance up there. We had a big time. But when he opens that door, I want him to, I want, that's what I want to be in my house. That's what I'm going to fill my life with, my heart and mind with. I want him to holler and say, run boys, run. We got the wrong address. Let's go chase the Methodist preacher for a while. Let's get out of here. Listen to me. I'm going to create an atmosphere in here that gives no place to him and draws the spirit of God in brings him inside of here. I want you to get this today. The atmosphere you create determines who's going to be around you. There's atmospheres I love. I told you this before, I'm going to tell you again, but I'm old. I can do that. Can I get a witness? I went to see a lady in the hospital one time, walked in there. She had some filth on the television. One of them, you know, as the stomach churns or whatever it was, daytime drama things. Somebody's in the bed having sex with somebody they're not married to. And she just, hey preacher, she keeps staring at it and I thought, well, surely she'll turn the stupid thing off. No, we was too deep into it. Good old grandma running her race, running her race. After about five seconds, I realized, I said, well, I got to go. She said, you're not going to pray for me? I said, no, I just left. No, I mean, no, Southern for no. I just said, no, I'm not going to pray for her. I just left. Listen to me. If I can't change the atmosphere in the room, I'm going to change my geography. It isn't, you asked me to come into a room, where, a place where there's cursing and swearing and anger and you're criticizing people. I ain't gonna leave you nothing but my absence. 
I'm out of here. But if I go into your house, golly, and you got like pinto beans cooking on the oven and you're nice to me and, and you act like you love me and we talk and you're, and especially if you got diet root beer, A&W diet root beer, you'll have to call the sheriff to get me out of there. I mean, I'm not leaving. Y'all understand this stuff, dear ones. The atmosphere you create determines who moves in. It's up to you. You got the keys to the kingdom. Let me throw in one more real quick. I'm not sure what that means, but let me throw in one more real quick. It's very important that on the inside of you, first things are very important. How you start your day dictates your day. When you wake in the morning, up, up in the morning, the moment you get consciousness, don't go that, oh, don't do that. You, you're begging the wrong help to come on board. Why would you ask yourself how you feel? Tell yourself how you feel. Tell yourself how you feel. I've learned the moment I gain consciousness, praise God, am I in hell? No, I'm not in hell. I get to live another day and the sun's coming up and it's raining. Who cares? I like showers. We needed the water. Praise God. Somebody should make like a, a hallmark saying like this. This is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to see what happens. Let me get up a little bit and move around and see what happens. If you wait to see what happens, stuff happens. You decide what's going to happen today with the attitude on the inside. You start praising God first thing right off the bat. I don't care if everything's in a mess. Change the atmosphere. You're in control of it. That involves first thing, that's you and everybody else. All righty. Let me quit by just asking one question. And this, sure enough, this is my, I think it's my fifth final quitting. Have you ever done this? I, as a young minister, I did this. You ever looked at people and noticed they're just blessed all the time. It's just good around them. They're just, they, this just, things are just good with them. You ever notice somebody like that? Notice the atmosphere they're creating. Notice how they're always working on the atmosphere around them to create a godly atmosphere that brings the Spirit of God on them. Let me switch. And I'm not saying that y'all are the bad side and they're the good side. They're just as bad as y'all are. That's not what I'm saying at all. You ever notice somebody's life just sucks all the time? I mean, they're just, it's just, everything's always bad. They're just always struggling. You ever notice that? Watch them carefully and watch the atmosphere they create. You say, why does it happen to them like that, Brian? Dear ones, listen to me. Listen to what this Bible teaches. Things happen for a reason. And this book is written to give us the reason things happen so we can make that it might be well with you. You know what? They have got the keys and they are loosening the wrong life inside of them. That's why we do this so we can learn how to live and bring it inside of us. All right, I want to give you my famous saying again. Here's my famous saying. If you build it, he will come. If you'll build, I'm telling you, he'll come. Jesus will come. His spirit will come. We can live in the presence of God in the middle of a mess. Lord Jesus, we love you and thank you for your word. Teach us, teach us. Your word said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Teach us the kingdom. Teach us how to live with your presence on our lives and on our families, in our church, in our land. I can't control the White House. I can't control Washington, but I can control my house and my heart. And I want to praise you and thank, thank you for every person that's here today. I pray for every person here today that their, the eyes of their hearts are open. And they say, I see it. I see it. I got the keys to this stuff. I can do what the Bible says. Thank you so much, Lord Jesus. I've, I'll never get over the day I was stunned by the fact that you wanted to help people, but they wouldn't let you because of their attitude. 
Oh, in Jesus' name, teach us the atmospheres and the attitudes that you work in. And I'm going to get there just as quick as I can. And I want to praise you and thank you today now because ain't nobody ever done me like Jesus. And we bless you because of your goodness and your great kindness in our lives. Lord Jesus, I'm fixing to invite people to get saved. I'm fixing to ask people in this room if they want to be the children of God. It, to me, I'm still stunned by the fact that you would reach out to us and die on a cross so that we can be children of God and have your blessing on our lives and live forever. I'm still amazed by it. I pray we never get over the greatest story we've ever been told, the greatest truth we've ever heard. And Lord Jesus says, I give people a chance to get saved. Now, I ask you that I'm, I believe your Holy Spirit will go through this room right now. There's somebody in this house that needs to become a child of God. And I believe your spirit's already moving and already dealing with their hearts right now. And I believe when we pray in a minute, they're going to pray and they're going to invite you into their lives and they're going to be born again and they're going to live forever just because they reached out to the goodness of God. I trust you for that. Thank you for being so good to us. Dear friends, we're praying. This is your day. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior and never let him make you a child of God and come in your life and come in your heart and give you eternal life, this is your day right now. You've got to pray. The Bible said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You believe that because you believe his word. Jesus died for you on a cross so you could be his son, his daughter and have eternal life. And the opportunity is before he sent me here today to talk to you about this. And God is speaking to you today. And I want to give you a chance right now. If you want to receive Jesus as your savior and have your sins forgiven in heaven and become a child of God and get into the forever family of God, I want you to pray seated right there where you're at. Pray a simple prayer. Pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you came to this earth and died on a cross because you love me. I believe you rose from the grave because you're the most powerful person ever. I believe you're coming back one day. And I come to you right now in childlike faith. I ask you to forgive every sin I've ever committed. And I believe you will because you're that good. And today I receive you by faith as my savior, the Lord of my life and the love of my life forever. I receive you today, Jesus. From this day forward, I'm following you. I belong to you today. I trust you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for speaking to me. Thank you for saving my soul, Lord Jesus. This is the greatest day of my life. Thank you for loving me. And I pray this prayer in the name of Jesus, the greatest name ever spoken, the precious name of Jesus. Father, I give you the praise and glory. Thank you that you're still drawing people's hearts to you. I, I pray that we just never get over the fact that God so loved the world that he gave his son so we could have life in this life and eternally. What a privilege it is to be the child of the living God and to know that your blessings on us, your hands on us. Teach us how to walk in this kingdom. Teach us how to know you and love you. I give you the praise and glory. Thank you for this day. In the name of Jesus, I speak in faith. I declare that your word that went forth today will be life-changing. It is sealed in the hearts of the people and this word will work in their lives. I trust you for that. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray, amen.